0: In this lecture we're going to discuss some software aids and reporting guidelines for virtual colonoscopy. There are several different tools we can use when we're interpreting a study. In addition to our 2D or 3D imaging, we can actually use extra software tools like computer-aided diagnosis and other features such as polyp view, show stool tagging, virtual dissection, and then there's some reporting tools on most software packages, so we'll discuss those. In 2008, Petrick in Radiology reported an article regarding the use of computer-aided diagnosis in virtual colonoscopy, and he concluded that it led to a significant increase in sensitivity for detecting polyps in the really 6 to 9 millimeter range, and there was some expense of a reduction in specificity. So these computer software programs that help you find the polyps are sensitive, but they have kind of decrease specificity so you'll have a lot of false positives because sometimes they'll pick stool or sometimes they'll pick the ileocecal valve. But in that study it really didn't change the sensitivity or specificity for polyps greater than a centimeter and that makes sense. Once you're an experienced reader those one centimeter polyps are pretty obvious and you might need help with those in the six to nine millimeter range and in that study the re- readers reviewed both the axial 2D and the MPRs and 3D was used for problem solving and using the computer-aided diagnosis it added an additional 3.1 minutes so it does add a couple of minutes to use that. There are other software that you can use in the Siemens software package is called polyp enhanced viewing so that's the computer-aided diagnosis and so the computer will help find the polyps for you and will mark them and in this image you can see there's some polyps marked as C2A or C3A. The C means the computer has found them and marked them and then you need to go and look at those and decide whether or not you think it's a true polyp. And the polyp enhanced viewing or the CAD, is should be a second reader tool. So you should do your your read first, and then you should look at what the computer says. You should never use that as a primary reading method. So what I usually do is I start the PEV program in the background, then I do my reading, and then before I finish the case, I see what the computer says. And you know, the PEV is constantly improving. It really has a great sensitivity, especially for large polyps and even smaller polyps. It's fairly sensitive, but we still have an issue with the false positives but as you get more experience you can quickly go through those and you recognize there's certain pitfalls that the PEV has and it'll constantly pick the ileocecal valve if it's bumpy or if it finds a lobular polyp it'll pick it two or three times Okay, but again you can't rely on the PEV as a primary reading tool the Siemens package has another option called the polyp view and I kind of like this so if you're a 3D reader and you're flying through in order to see what the density of a lesion is you have to refer to the 2D images but with polyp view it's a little window that comes up and it's helpful for you to see the density of lesions as you're flying through it's really better for larger lesions for smaller lesions it's the same issue as when you're looking at the 2D because these are low radiation studies and they're kind of grainy they're thin slices they, you get a little bit of artifact and you get a very grainy image so it's hard to get accurate density measurements for small polyps but for larger it is helpful and it may make the 3D review more time efficient. So here's an example, on the left you can see an endoluminal view and you see a polyp, but by looking at that, remember it's only surface rendering, you don't know what the density of that lesion is. But when you turn on the polyp view, a little square appears and that will show you what the density is. Green means fat, so in this case it's almost pure fat, so we think it's probably a lipoma. And then if you correlate with the 2D view, you can see then the tip of the cecum there, there's a lipoma. Here's another example, very well-defined ovoid lesion. When we turn on the polyp view, it's white, and white means calcium, or it's very uncommon to have calcification in the colon. It more likely means stool tagging. So in this case, we think that's probably just stool tagging because it's homogeneously white. And here you can see in the anterior part of the rectum, there's a little bit of adherent tagging. In this example we have a lobular lesion and when we turn on the polyp view it's red and red means soft tissue density and of course you would still correlate with the 2D view if you had any questions and here you can see there's a polyp with some coating there uh, in the rectum. Okay we have another feature called show stool tagging. I really like this so if you're a 3D person who does a review predominantly with the endoluminal views as you're flying through as you know you're looking at a surface rendering so everything's kind of one color but if you have the show stool tagging feature then you can turn that on so if it's definitely stool tagging on the 2D meaning you see the white contrast on the 2D you will also see that on the 3D so this is very helpful if you're flying through and you see a lot of white then you know that you're just seeing the tagging and you're not actually seeing the surface of the colon or you're not seeing the mucosa it's hidden underneath so you need to stop and look at the 2D So here's an example of show stool tagging. So on the left I just have it the feature turned off and on the right I have it turned on and you can see in the endoluminal image on the left everything just looks a little orange and at the Inferior aspect of that image you might think that that's the mucosa of the colon, but it's not it's actually fluid um, Pooling there and when you turn on the show stool tagging on the right you can see it turns white so now you know you're going through an area of fluid Here's another example, when you come to a lesion, if you have it on, it will look white and then you know that it's stool and it's not a polyp. Now the only caveat is sometimes polyps, especially larger ones, can become coated with tag, so you have to look very carefully. Here's another example as we're flying through, there's two little lesions. One's closer to us is smaller and then there's one a little further back that's more irregular. And When you turn on the show Stool Tagging, you can see the one closer to us is a small polyp and the one further away is tagging and stool. You also may want to look at what type of field of view you're using. So standard and illuminal views are usually between 90 and 110 degrees. and Siemens I believe it's 110. So when you're flying through there's some portions of the colon you're not actually seeing, especially the ones way out at the edges or deep in the house And so that's why typically people would fly forward or backward. But if you increase your field of view, and those are options on some of the software packages. So for example, on the Siemens, you can use a larger endoluminal field of view like 270 for example. And so then when you're flying through, it peels back the folds and so you don't have as many unseen areas. So, for example, here's a case where I started in the rectum, and I flew to the cecum. I just did one direction, and I used the standard field of view, which is 110, and then I asked the computer to tell me how much unseen areas there were, and so you can see the 20% of the colon was unseen, because I only flew in one direction. Now, of course, if I flew back, then I would see that 20%. But if you use the larger field of view, let's say the 270 field of view, and I flew from the... Uh, rectum to the cecum only in one direction and I asked what my unseen areas were they were 0% so you can see that if you're a 3D reviewer you may want to use a larger field of view and I believe some people now with a larger field of view feel comfortable only flying one way so they may fly from the rectum to the cecum on the prone for example and then on the supine fly the reverse way so that might make your review a little quicker so we usually use the standard endoluminal viewing, as you're familiar with, but there are some other features, like virtual dissection. They have that on the Siemens. Personally, I don't use it that much. What happens is they take the endoluminal view and they open it up, so it looks like a pathology specimen. So instead of flying through a tube, you're looking at a flat specimen, like they do in pathology. And then you're supposed to find the polyps that way. There's a couple issues with that. Wherever they cut the colon and stretch it, there's a little distortion Um, So I think it still needs a little bit of work, but it may be something in the future that we use more often. So that's called virtual dissection, and it simply is the colon kind of flayed open and then displayed flat. Remember, regardless of what interpretation method you use and what software features you use, somebody, either you or somebody else, has to look at the extracolonic structures. And as we reviewed in other lectures, a significant amount of patients will have something important outside the colon, especially in this age population over 50. So it's usually between 10 and 13% of patients, or in the Akron study, it was actually 16% of patients who had something that was important that needed either clinical correlation, maybe it was a known thing, so I had to look in the patient's history or needed further follow-up. Okay. There are other software features that are available to you. For example, on the Siemens, we have a report wizard, so that helps you make a report. So you mark your polyp, it goes into this report, and it says things like where it is, the size of it, what kind of polyp you think it is, And some of them will even say how many centimeters from the rectum. And so then you could print out that report and send it to the referring physician. And it also gives details about the specific polyp. So here we go, the size. And you might say this one was 2.36 centimeters. And you might have a comment, this is an apple core lesion suspicious for cancer. And then you could put the images in there too. So it's a nice compact way of doing your report in a very standardized way. The other thing, once you're finished with your interpretation, how do you report it? What things should you be concerned about? Well, if you look back a few years, the working group on virtual colonoscopy came to some conclusions. And first of all, they stressed that most polyps, five millimeters or less, are hyperplastic. They're not even adenomatous. Okay, even the adenomatous ones most likely will never go on to become cancer. So you should not be reporting lesions five millimeters or less. You have to avoid reporting those tiny lesions, because most of the time you're going to be wrong. They're either going to be nothing, a little bit of mucus or something like that, or they're going to be hyperplastic polyps. Or even if they're adenomatous polyps, they're very small and the colonoscopist may not be able to find them. So what we really are worried about are lesions 6 millimeters or greater. Now, having said that, most polyps between 6 and 9 millimeters are benign. Only 30% of those are even adenomatous. The likelihood of this having an invasive cancer is less than 1%. Okay, So what most people would say, if you see a polyp six millimeters or greater, you could recommend a colonoscopy and they could do a polypectomy. But there's growing evidence in the literature you may not need to be that aggressive. And that if a patient doesn't have any risk factors for colon cancer or personal history of cancer, you may be able to follow them if they have one or two lesions in this small range. And then, but we don't really know how often you should follow them. So it's kind of a risk versus benefit. So if it's a young person, you don't necessarily want to be following polyps forever, especially since the virtual colonoscopy uses radiation. But in older patients, maybe if they have a right-sided lesion in this size range, it may be reasonable to follow them. And, of course, anybody who has a polyp one centimeter or greater needs to go to colonoscopy because at this point, the chance of it having cancer is, you know, greater than 10%. What should the interval between screening be? Well, that's still a little controversial, but most people would say that if you don't have a polyp five millimeters or greater, should be at least five years before they get the next follow-up. Okay, so if you don't have a polyp six millimeters or larger, you would recommend a follow-up at five years. At this point, there's more investigation going on. Maybe we could uh, stretch that out. Maybe it could be seven years or ten years. Okay. And then there's some reporting guidelines you need to follow. So you need the standard patient and uh, exam identifiers. You wanna, of course, give the clinical indication. Is this screening diagnostic? Is it because of failed colonoscopy? The technique, what PrEP you use? Did you use air or carbon dioxide? I always comment on the adequacy of the PrEP and distension of the colon. See if there's any limitation. And then you list the polyps, the largest diameter of the polyp, the location. You may give the morphology the attenuation if that's important and then some people use the C-RADS classification system. Personally I don't use this but I'll describe it to you. So there's a C scoring system and an E scoring system and the C scoring system has to do with the polyp and the E is the extracolonic findings. So I have them listed here for you. So for instance C0 means an inadequate study or you need some comparisons. Um, C1 is a normal colon or benign lesion. C2 intermediate polyp or an indeterminate finding, so then you may need follow-up or colonoscopy. C3, you have a polyp. Usually it's greater than a centimeter at this time or multiple smaller polyps that you need colonoscopy. C4 is a colonic mass, likely malignant. You're probably gonna need a surgical um, consultation. And then the E part has to do with the extracolonic findings. Is it a limited exam? Is it normal or anatomic variants? Are there some, E2 would be unimportant findings like liver or kidney cysts, things like that. E3, probably unimportant finding, but it's incompletely characterized. Like maybe it's a minimally complex kidney cyst, but you can't tell for sure on the study that you're looking at. And E4 would be potentially important findings. So some people use that classification and put it in their report. At Hopkins, we have two reports. First, we have a standard report looking at the extracolonic structures of the abdomen and pelvis, and whoever's covering CT that day reads the extracolonic part. And then later on, the person who does the virtual colon then can focus specifically on the colon. So in conclusion, I think radiologists should be proficient in both 2D and 3D interpretation methods. You need to choose the interpretation strategy that works for you and be familiar with your software. And you really want to look at all the software features on your system and see which ones are helpful for you. And then if you're reporting, remember, you're only going to report lesions greater than or equal to 6 millimeters in size. Thank you.